Hey guys, before we get into the episode, you all know I'm a huge fan of fashion and I have been ever since I was a little girl. And my first job, by the way, was actually at Macy's. And my love for fashion began when I started there because I worked in the fragrance department, but of course my eye was always on the clothes and the makeup and everything related to style. But here's the thing, my relationship with Macy's didn't end once my days of asking people walking by if they wanted a sample of the latest scents came to an end. Nearly 20 years later, I still find myself choosing Macy's time and time again for literally everything. It's become a really beautiful full circle moment that they've been such amazing supporters of our show for so long. And when it comes to shopping, they have everything you need, whether I need a last minute outfit or Kevin needs a last minute outfit for our friend's wedding. We always head to Macy's. They've got us covered. So if you're in need of some retail therapy, perhaps, or looking to spruce up your home or your lifestyle, check out Macy's friends. I've curated a list of some of my favorite items that have helped me upgrade so many parts of my life, really my fashion the most, but of course home and baby and so much more. So check the link in the description and happy shopping Hill Squad. I'm on a journey to get better in all areas of life, from wellness and mental health to career and relationships and so much more. I know getting better isn't easy, but it's a whole lot easier when you can do it together. Welcome to Better Together with me, Maria Menunos. Hello, hello, everybody. Welcome to Better Together. When you know better, you get better. That's what we do here every single day. Uh, we are picking up where we left off yesterday in our conversation with Zach Bush. It's funny. Uh, it's Dr. Zach Bush, but I don't think he cares about titles. I since know, we've doesn't seem like it. established <laughs> that a little bit here. Uh, this conversation was so different than what I thought it was going to be. And I really, really love it for that. Um, like I told you guys yesterday, if you want to hear some more of that kind of, you know, Western medicine and what the flaws were and the things that kind of drew him to this, you can go back and listen to that interview with John Gordon, who uh, did a great job. Um, chatting with him there. But this conversation is so what I think we all really need to hear. And, uh, you know, he's very deep and very spiritual. And, you know, in this episode, we go into some some more of the kind of poisoning of the waters and the farms and and things like that. Kelsey, you want to jump in with, yeah. with more? You know what I love? He starts with, um, you asked him about the eight steps of a lifestyle to prevent disease. And he really walks us kind of through those steps. And in that steps, right, like Maria was saying, we talk about the soil and the farmers and the, all these like chemicals that are now in our food and our water and all this stuff. And he really talks a lot about like how we need to connect with nature to heal and like feel in our feelings. And I really love, cause we talk about that all the time here and you've been big on grounding, especially in your summer of heal. Mm -hmm. And I'm trying to get more, I am getting more into that world as well. So I really loved hearing him talk about that. Um, and the emotional root the emotional. of illnesses. Yeah. Um, I, every time I've coached a patient behind the scenes, I'm like, what's the emotional mm -hmm. root? And they're always like, yeah. How do you know? Because well, I see, and you know, he's a, a practicing doctor. It's a whole other level of what he sees every day. Um, I just am using instinct and and my gut. Um, but you know, and then and then your why. I mean, he really grills me on my why I want to be healthy, and I just found that so fascinating. And I love when people challenge me. If you do not have people challenging you in your life, you are not hanging around with the right people. Adam Grant said, it's your challenge network. He taught us that. You have to have a challenge network. 
There you go. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm annoying to you, Kelsey, probably, but I challenge you. <laughs> she does. No, I love it. I appreciate it because if I didn't have people challenging me and have you challenging me. How would um, you grow? Right. I was just going to say, my mom challenges me like I wouldn't grow. And that's lame. Well, I want to keep growing. <laughs> I want to grow on that slime. I love that. <laughs> no, but you you have to have people in your life challenging you. So mm-hmm. he just challenged me in this episode. You'll hear. Yeah. And he's really challenging all of you and all of us together collectively. So I hope you guys enjoy this episode as much as I did. I'd love to know more about the steps. Because I think what you're saying makes so much sense. You know, you can get all the Reiki and energy work. I've watched my mom have everything done and magic happens. Mm-hmm. But then it fades because yeah. it has to be within you. Yeah. So the steps are, you know, really begin at this state of being. And so the first experience is starting to strip away all of your, your identities. And so the first couple of weeks, you, we really work on creating a construct. And, and the coach being your mirror is a potent way of letting you suddenly see and reveal to yourself how you've created a false identity and mm. and how you've, you know, you have allowed the society around you to co-opt a soul, an infinite being with a, a whole bunch of finite definitions or finite roles that you're playing. And just like an actor asked to play 16 simultaneous roles, you're exhausted. You're so tired of playing all the roles. You've been told you're a mother. You're told you're a, a boss. You're told you're an employee. You're told you're a marketing expert. You're told you're a doctor. You're told whatever it is. And so you have to play that role and that role and that role. And you you tell yourself that you're supposed to be a good person and you put all kinds of judgment things around that and you, you adopt a whole bunch of external metrics for being a good person or thinking good things. And then you, you, you're told about love and that you're supposed to find that person that completes you as if there's something that incomplete in you, which is impossible. Um, and so we go rushing around into relationships that are inherently codependent and you know, reinforce this, this role-playing methodology. So the first couple of weeks of the journey are into finding you. And so we have a number of different exercises that we do and the coaching is a critical piece of that. Once you start to be you, then your journey begins into your understanding of how you interact with uh, this extraordinary experience of energy. When you eat food, you actually are consuming light energy. That's, that's how food uh, carries any energy energetics within it is the incredible phenomenon of sun hitting the surface of a leaf which then changes carbon dioxide into these long chain carbons that we call glucose or fatty acids or whatnot. So these long carbon chains function as batteries for the sun. And those batteries are consumed by us and then liberated within us to to let forth light energy. And so this relationship of you and light becomes the, the second part of the journey. And as you start to really embrace that and understand that within yourself, it changes the way that you think about everything around you. And I love helping people reimagine our food system because it's become so divorced from any logical um, kind of source of nutrition or whatnot. But it's it's much deeper than that. There's an energetic issue of disconnect in our food system today that is allowing us to become consumers of drugs rather than consumers of nutrients. Rather, we are consumers of an experience rather than an expression of nature. 
and uh, that's that's killing us very quickly. I think as uh, not just from a life stand, it's killing our our sense of vitality, our our desire to be alive is being undermined by this. Once you've gone through that, then we have an experience of of re-understanding water and uh, that rediscovery of water as a science, as as a quantum miracle, really. Uh, is a re-understanding of how a soul would communicate, how an energetic reality of an infinite source would communicate with a finite biology, and that happens to pivot around water. And so we do a deep dive on water, and then we start to go into what it means to be an adaptive physiology. And so we study things like breath work, and we study things like fasting and different patterns of fasting to ignite the power of life that is experienced in adversity of biology. Biology under adverse experiences is the fundamental beginning of healing. And so you can That's why fasting is so important. Fasting is critical for that reason. So is hmm. movement. So if you think of something, uh, another one of the weeks is based around uh, movement. You know, the bone density is a good example here. So in endocrinology, which was my second subspecialty, we were kind of the doctors that everybody's referred to for osteoporosis, which is a made-up disease, but (laughs) this thinning of the bone. And so we've created a term to describe the loss of bone mineral density over a lifetime, which is natural. Uh, But then we've diseasified it and said this is a pathology. Because then you can have a medication for it. Exactly. Mm -hmm. And you can have a a CPT code that is necessary to bill for a physician visit. And so I I can create a disease out of the natural decrement of bone mineral density over a lifetime so that I can bill for it. And then we can create a whole scientific avenue that stimulates billions of dollars of medical research on how to stop bones from demineralizing over a lifetime. When in fact, demineralization of bone is a really fascinating way in which to access ancestral wisdom. The, the mineral content within bone is kind of the archaeologic history of ancestral wisdom within our cellular structure. And so starting to understand these things as, as fluid matrices of life itself rather than diseases, it changes our relationship to things like exercise. Because when you run down a case of stairs or you go bounce on a trampoline, you will create millions and millions of microfractures in the bone. And it's through that fracture of the bone, through impact exercise, that the body is inspired to go create more dense bone. Mm. And instead of embracing the opportunity for injury, we create drugs that prevent the response to injury. And so we put people on these drugs that, that inhibit their ability to build new bone. And so it's an insanely backwards way to manage bone density by being afraid of the injury itself, when in fact the injury is the pathway to a dense and healthy bone matrix. And so we, in our eagerness to define the arc of life as a series of diseases and decrement and function, we misunderstand everything from nutrition to exercise, from water to breath. And so the journey of intrinsic health is taking back into these avenues of understanding self at the spiritual energetic level, I hope, but also at the biologic level. What does it mean to be alive in the context of the subject of water? What does living water look like inside of a cell? And that's a beautiful journey to kind of be exposed to. 
And then ultimately, you know, in the end, once you've done the whole arc of becoming spiritually aware and aware that you have a voice within yourself that is telling you the entire path, you have knowledge of your own path within you that you can access at any time. In addition to learning all the the, the underpinnings of, of biology and how you interact with those, the final part of the eight-week eight, eight journey is looking at to what end? To what end are you pursuing health? When you're on the go 24-7 like me, guys, finding ways to make life easier is so important for my health and sanity. <laughs> and that's exactly what my friends at Macy's do for me. From working there as a teenager to now going to them for so many of my daily essentials, it's been my go-to for so many years. And having everything in one place is such a time saver for me. With being a first-time mom, for a while now, as you know, I've had plenty of those and being able to rely on them for all the things has been amazing. Plus having everything in one place has made being a new mom just a little bit easier for me. So I know we're all focusing on our families, our health, hopefully our jobs and everything in between, but it's time to make your life a little easier. And to help you out, I've curated all of my essentials from Macy's for you and the whole fam. All the details are in the show notes below, or you can just click the link in the description to get your hands on them too. I have some new picks on there. This little bomber jacket, this little black dress. You're going to love it. All right, friends, let's talk about something we all do. Snack. Trust me, I've definitely overindulged in the past, but as you know, I am focused on my health these days. And I think I found the healthier snack that you don't have to lose out on the flavor. And it's definitely become my go-to. It first came into the house because of Kevin. He was obsessed with wonderful pistachios. And then I got addicted. And now it's in my travel bag. I don't leave home without it. It's in our glove compartments because they don't melt. Right now, my favorite flavor is the sweet chili flavor. It feels like some of the naughtier kind of snacks I used to use where I used to lick my fingers after. Now I lick them and I feel safer. Um, plus, wonderful pistachios is one of the highest protein nuts. Each one ounce serving has six grams of protein, giving you over 10% of your daily value. That's crazy, guys. So if you're looking for the perfect snack, trust me and head over to www.wonderfulpistachios.com to snag a bag of wonderful pistachios. You're going to love them. Because if it's just to look better on your aura ring statistics and your biohacking mm. community, then are you really alive? Are you really pursuing life or are you pursuing a better spreadsheet at the end of the month on your aura ring? And so the last piece of the journey is to what end? What are you here to do with the health that you're in pursuit of? That you, the health that you're capable of miraculously manifesting? Why? Why are you going to be healthy? Why are you going to be here right now at the tipping point of a human species, at the tipping point of a planet? Why did you show up right now? And that's my favorite part of the journey because it is not the end of an eight-week journey. It is the opening of a door to the rest of your life. Yeah, I have the chills just hearing it because I keep thinking about my why as well. And my why just has been my future babies. I want to be the healthiest mom I can be so that I can I can be here for them and so I would invite you to find your why though that's your baby's my why. why Yeah, you are a child that is here to reparent yourself into your fullest expression of self and you have a reality that is outside of the context of your relationship to your children or their beingness mm -hmm. your children being here on the planet 
is a beautiful fact of life, but it is not your reason for being alive. Mm. There's something about your zebra stripes that make you super unique. And the zebra stripes are not spelling mom. The zebra stripes is, is literally spelling you. You, as an energetic presence on the planet right now, is the why. You have a role to play in the new crystalline structure of a humanity that is going to rebirth in these next few decades. And you showed up right now. And you will be alive if the statistics play out in your life. If you lived an average life trajectory, you will see the rebirth of a humanity. That's much greater than perhaps just the the world's view of well, your role in supporting your few children. What if you're here to be part of eons of life? A next new expression of humanity itself. And you can't be that new expression if your definition of self and your why is I am mother. Mm-hmm. Because you're greater than mother. You're the whole. You are the father. You are the mother. You are the divine masculine. You are the divine feminine in a single vessel. You are complete in yourself at the energetic level. And your human mind and your biology haven't caught up with that reality yet. Neither have I. I'm working to catch up with the reality that I am divinely complete. I have the entire masculine and feminine code within myself. I have the whole code of life and the code of creation within myself. And I have the capacity to participate in creating this new future for humanity. And until we move to that level, we won't ease the real deep discomfort within us because we know that's why we're here. Mm. We know why we're here. We know the why. We do. But it's a scary thing to embrace because it's, it's, um, it is like so, it's so much more acceptable to have that be your why, right? And, and by the way, we're all programmed to think that that is the noble why, And, you know, for me, having kids later in life, I am worried about, well, what if something happened to me and then they're alone? But those are my fears of being alone. Maybe they won't have those. Um, But I know there's a bigger why for me to get healthy and to be able to kind of show that the impossible is possible because I know I'm going to prove the impossible is possible. And so that's definitely my bigger why, but... Go keep going to the bigger why, you know, and and the warning is physicians and farmers, because the more altruistic your identity is, the more likely it's to be co-opted. And so a mother, a farmer, a doctor, these are very altruistic sounding roles to play. And the more altruistic they are, the easier they are to co-opt. Mm. And you're going to be controlled through that identity easier for the altruistic patina that it carries. Oh, my God. And so the the physician is very easily manipulated and coerced into being a pharmace- pharmaceutical technician because it sounds so good. You don't question it for so long because it sounds like such a good thing. And then you wonder why you're considering suicide. You have lost the life of the mission because the altruism of the role you were playing kept you so drugged for so long. And this is why mothers and fathers can feel so empty at the end of a journey of parenting. You go into that emptiness syndrome, suddenly your sense of self-worth disappears because the kids are now out of the house or off on their own. 
It's because you weren't alive. You were living an altruistic role that was not you. And so it's, I caution everybody who would co-opt or take on a title that sounds good. In some ways, you're better off being, you know, a Wall Street shark, you know, and being a pharmaceutical CEO, you know, being predatory in your own. If your role sounds bad, you actually are less likely to be co-opted. Hmm. Because you have to really live into that thing. You have to decide that is you. Whereas if you have this altruistic patina, it's so easy to drug yourself into a belief that you're, oh, I'm doing the right thing. I'm doing good. I'm doing good. I'm I'm a mom. I'm a dad. I'm a doctor. I'm doing good. And uh, I had a near-death experience, actually, in, uh, about 12 years ago. I, I, I passed out on the highway and uh, ended up in a river. And it was there was nobody around and 22 inches of snow had fallen the night before. And, and so, uh, too long of a story to tell in detail, but in coming out of this near death experience, I woke up in this vehicle in a river and, and got out on a roof and climbed up on, I thought I had died. Um, cause I was one moment on a highway and then the next thing I knew I was waking up and there was just wilderness everywhere. There was no roads, no, life there was no humans there was no cars i was just in the middle of a river in a wilderness i'd never seen before and so i thought i'd died and it was all white and 22 inches of snow sun filtering down through these snow-covered trees it was it was an angelic experience i guess and so i'm in this existential space coming out of this experience thinking oh my gosh this is what afterlife must look like and then and then reality started upset and i realized how cold i was and realized that i was you know wet and get out of this river and then get up and I'm climbing up this huge embankment and then suddenly realize that I had just climbed onto the highway and standing in the middle of this highway is a state patrol officer. No car anywhere. Nobody drives in Virginia if there's an inch of snow, let alone 22 inches of snow. And so this, this lone man standing in the middle of this highway was such a surreal experience that I suddenly realized I was, I must be dead still. This must be the afterlife or something like this is happening. And of course, this must be like St. Peter at the gates of heaven. And of course, I would make him a state trooper because I'm, you know, this and that. So I'm looking at this state trooper and he says to me, son, how did you get here? And, and so I immediately start to do this, you know, retrospective on my whole life of like why I deserve to get into heaven. And I'm using all the altruistic things that I can think of, like, well, I'm a great dad. I've got two great kids. I'm a doctor. I do, I've done mission works in the Philippines. I birthed babies in the squats of the Philippines. I'm doing mission work down in, in Tijuana, Mexico, and I'm building orphanages, and I'm doing this. And I go through this whole list of altruistic things that I had done. And I'm watching the state trooper get more and more concerned in his face. Of course, he's human, and we're having a human moment that I don't realize we're having not at the gates of heaven, but the more confused he gets, the more convinced I need to work harder at, at, at my resume here. And so I'm giving him more and more details as to why I deserve to get into heaven. And in this completely comical situation, he finally stops me. He's like, son, how did you physically get here? And, and I suddenly realized, okay, well, maybe I'm not at the gates. Maybe this is really happening. Maybe this is actually oh still God. an experience. I remember my mom always struggling with her hair. It's Frizi Maria, my mom would say in her Greek accent. Tiehis, what do you have? I tried so hard to find her products. I wish I could share these products I'm using now with her because I know she would be so happy to finally have good hair days. 
I've always believed that hair is a woman's best accessory. And with Way's new anti-frizz cream, you can ensure that your hair always looks its best without the frizz stealing the spotlight. It's a lightweight cream that not only provides immediate frizz control, but also helps prevent heat damage. And get this, it lasts up to 72 hours. That's three whole days of frizz-free, gorgeous hair. Way seriously has some of my favorite products for taming the frizz. Pro tip, one of my biggest discoveries is using the Way hair oil on the ends of my hair before I dry it. Let me tell you, it's a game changer. Once it's dry, my hair looks so smooth and polished. I don't even need to do anything else. It is incredible. I love it. Frizz free up your schedule with Way. Go to the Way, T-H-E-O-U-A-I.com and enter the promo code HEELSQUAD for 15% off any product. That's the Way, T-H-E-O-U-A-I.com, promo code HEELSQUAD. Trust me, you won't regret it. As a first-time mom with a baby, I'm always on the go, whether it's running errands, getting my coffee, going to doctor's appointments, or just spending quality time with little Athena. And that's why I rely on wonderful pistachios to keep me fueled and ready for anything, no matter where I am. Kevin even keeps us bag stashed in the nursery. you know, for the nighttime hunger moments. Wonderful pistachios comes in a variety of flavors and sizes, making them the perfect snack to have literally any time, whether I'm enjoying them during a quick break in between taping this show or I'm on the go and it's in the diaper bag. I do carry it in my travel bag and they're in my car. At this point, when I'm leaving the house, I think keys, wallet, wonderful pistachios. <laughs> Bonus, wonderful pistachios is one of the highest protein nuts with six grams of protein in every one ounce serving. So on top of all that, They keep me feeling satisfied. I'm energized while I'm juggling all this crazy stuff in life. Next time you're looking for a convenient and guilt-free snack, head over to www.wonderfulpistachios.com and stock up on your favorite flavors today. Minus the sweet chili. And, you know, long story short, you know, I got really frustrated at him suddenly and I was in shock and shaking and freezing cold. And I I yelled at him. I was like, why are you here? How did you get here? He didn't make any sense in the context of this empty highway. This reminds this. me of It's a Wonderful Life. Have you <laughs> yeah. seen the movie? Yes. That's what it feels like That's right exactly now. exactly You're Jimmy Stewart. I'm Jimmy Stewart. <laughs> and I have about the same sense of humor as Jimmy Stewart. And so you have to give me some grace on my 1950s sense of humor. But, um, and so you, I go through this whole experience. And in the end, like he, he had parked his car around the side where my vehicle gone off the road. It turns out that my vehicle had driven for a quarter mile on its own after I passed out and had found its way down into this river without touching a tree, which was total miracle. Any rate, once we'd pieced this whole thing back together, um, he, he realizes I'm in shock and just freezing cold and hypothermic. And so he grabs me by the shoulders and he's pushing me down into his squad car to get me warmed up. And, um, he suddenly stops and lifts me back out of this thing. He looks in my face. He says, son, God is trying to tell you something, pushes me into his car and shuts the door. Oh, this is like a movie. And so I'm sitting there freezing and kind of coming back into my body after this whole existential thing. And I'm sitting there reviewing the fact that I thought I had just been at the gates of heaven and I had given this long description of my life Mm -hmm. and it was so empty. All the altruism, all the missions trips, all of the religiosity of my childhood growing up in a hippie Christian church in Boulder and then trying to take this evangelical message on the road and becoming a, a servant to humanity in my medical practice. It was all so empty and I suddenly was seeing my own resume at the gates of heaven. I was like, my God, what... <laughs> I'm nothing. I'm not in any of that. That was like this externalized journey. And over the last 12 years, I think I'm just trying to find the reality of being, being a vessel of an infinite soul 
and just be me. And that's so hard to do. Mm -hmm. It's so painful to let go of the things that we believe the world values. Um, I continue to be dumbfounded that anybody wants to listen to me at all. Like here, here I am on better together with an incredible woman who's got such reach and, and voice to the world. And I get, I'm dumbfounded. You want to talk to me? I, I, I don't understand what people <laughs> are after these days because I'm no longer a doctor in any kind of useful way. I'm not, I'm not like the journey is so interesting into yourself because you're going to find out that the world values you more every moment you become you. Mm -hmm. And I think the people that find themselves you know, being the most influential in the world are the people that have surrendered the most external metrics of success. And I hope that when I get to some sort of existential moment of, of justifying my life, I don't have a whole list of things to tell anybody. And if somebody says, son, how did you get here? Hmm. I'll be, I'll just say, because I am. And it was fucking fun. Oh, I love that. That's why you're here, and that's why we're listening to you. <laughs> I, um, I after I had brain surgery, I kind of had similar experiences when I was in the hospital. After I was like, "What the fuck have I been doing? I've been in a race that I didn't even want to be in. I was following people and was like, if they can do it, I can do it. And I just got stuck in that because I knew no one could outwork me. So I'll, I'll do." But I was so going against my own nature for so long. And the brain tumor was my gift. And I said that from the beginning. And the thing that after that was interesting was when people would ask me, so what are you doing? You know, in LA, everybody wants to know, what are you working on? What's the new thing? Why should we value you? Why are you important enough for me to talk to right now? And I, I created an experiment that has lasted all of these years now these last five years where I'm like, I'm great, you know, just hustling, the usual, just, you know. And I just say, just, you know, and I don't say anything. And they just kind of look at me. I don't even mention the show. I don't mention anything. Because I got to a place where I was like, do you value me for me? Because I know I'm a great friend and I know what I bring to whatever situation. I but do you value me for my accolades? Do you value me for my power in the business yet, you know, in this moment? Or what are, you, what are you valuing me for? I don't want to have to give you a list. And before I had a list. Oh my God, I'm starring in a movie. I'm, I'm hosting this show. I'm doing this. I, I just wrote a New York Times bestseller. I have another one on the, you know, in the works. And what I love about what you're saying is we do have to learn how to get comfortable even with that, not just get comfortable with our feelings, but get comfortable with being enough just as us and not having that list of stuff because we're, we're, and that's another thing that environment teaches us we're supposed to have. We're supposed to have lots of things going on. We're supposed to be doing all this charity work. We're supposed to be doing all these things. Yeah. Yeah. It's, I'm going to go back in, under the microscope for a second to kind of, reflect on what you just said because it's so powerful but as you become more you and you lose the list of things that you think define your value or anything else and you become more and more present what's happening is you're becoming more and more an expression of beauty and that expression of beauty is in a nutshell it's it's coherent vibration and so when you come 
into a, a social experience. You meet a friend that you haven't seen in years, or you sit down and tea with a group of people, whatever it is, and you take that deep breath and you just become present for a second. The beauty that you will affect in that space is palpable. And people will want to know what you're doing. Like, wait, wh- how are you? What are you doing? What are you? How are you? Fe- how are you projecting what you're projecting right there? And they're going to expect that long list of things, and they're going to hope dearly that they can go purchase that thing on Amazon today to feel a little bit more like you're feeling to them. But what's happening in coherence is literally a synergistic state of presence that allows every element within your being to become its highest expression and ultimately in its partnership with everything else in your your sense of biology at the single individual level or your sense of society within your connection to the greater whole of humanity, that coherence is the result of communication at the cellular level. And so over the last 12 years, our, my basic science lab has really been focused on how do, does one cell communicate to another cell? And ultimately, we know that you know, the, the longevity of a cell is based on its ability for, to have access to information. And a cell that has access to information and can get information out to its surrounding is truly ever living like it, it it has no termination point to it because of the phenomenon that we talked about stem cells and everything else like it is completely regenerative if it has enough information so the aging process as we see it in its pathologies or whatnot is one of a, a steady loss of communication at the cellular level and ultimately at the end of of the pathway towards a loss of communication is cancer and so to become a cancer cell, you have to be a cell that has completely cut itself off from all communication to its environment. Cells are inherently connected through fiber optic cables to one another. They're called gap junctions in biology instead of fiber optic cables, but they're extremely exquisitely designed fiber optic cables that sit between each cell and its adjacent cells. So a single cell might be connected to three to six cells. And in that connection, this whole bundle of these tiny, tiny fiber optic cables can be a thousand of these fiber optic cables in a single gap junction. And these these are, you know, a, a gap junction you're looking at is probably a tenth of the, the, the width of a human hair. So it's microscopic in its diameter. And then within that tenth of a hair is a thousand cables. And so it's so tiny and so exquisitely designed. And these tubes that create these fiber optic cables, you know, are seen in their purpose by what sits at the end of each of these tiny, tiny little tubules, which is the perfect camera aperture. The aperture on a camera lens, nobody knows what camera looks like anymore, I guess, because we all carry cell phones around. But the aperture was this uh, almost like not nautilus type shell looking thing that would dial in and out to adjust the iris or the uh, the eyeball of the camera to allow more light in. And so there's a, a perfect three-dimensional engineered apparatus that we would call a aperture at the end of every one of those tiny, tiny, tiny microfibers. And they adjust the amount of light energy that transmits from one cell to the next, each of the fibers individually adjusting its light. That's normal biology. 
the lifestyle that we live today and the toxins that were around, the herbicides and pesticides in our food, alcohol, non-steroidal anti-inflammatories like ibuprofen, uh, constipation medications like Miralax that's now over the counter and is being drank by gallons. All of these things lice the communication between cells. And so we've developed a food system that carries toxins that cut the light energetic communication between cells. It's the most incredible mistake that we could have made in biology. And here we are eating and drinking. And in fact, the air we breathe and the rain that falls on us is contaminated with glyphosate, the main herbicide in our environment, which is Roundup. And that Roundup chemical goes in and lyses all these connections. And in that isolation, we develop cancer, a, can a cell isolated from its environment becomes a cancer cell in a matter of seconds. And so ultimately what we become when we show up together and give that list of altruistic things and great accomplishments and everything else is a, is a being that is so isolated from its environment and it has used all of these seemingly good things, weed killers to make it easier for farming you know, pesticides to keep the fungus off the apple, antibiotics to knock down the, the, the pests in the soil or in your own body, alcohol to dull the pain, non anti-inflammatories to dull the pain. They all seem good. They all seem like they're in pursuit of comfort and a better life, and yet they're lysing our reality. And in the same way, our altruistic identities seemingly good, seemingly moving us towards a more comfortable, successful life are lysing the light energetics of being one human connected to another human. Because mm. every time you gave that long list, you alienated everybody around you that wasn't on their third New York Times bestseller and creating the movie and succeeding this way. And they felt intimidated. They felt like a failure being in your presence. And that's not who you want to be. That's not why you showed up right now. You showed up to be a vibrational echo chamber for the beauty of humanity, to show us our own beauty, to show us the beauty of the nature we live in. And yet you were trained into an environment that would lice all of those light connections and make you lonely at that cellular level and make people feel lonely being in your presence. But then you also feel lonely too. It's both ways, right? We, we are lonely in our isolation with the roles we play in our identities and our altruism. And what we find out under the microscope that's so incredible is in 2012, we made this, this discovery of the communication network between bacteria and fungi. And so bacteria and fungi in their diversity, human gut has you know, ideally 40,000 species of bacteria and fungi and uh, yeasts and protozoa and parasites. I mean, it's just a massive universe within the human gut. And each of those species makes a... a a subset of these little carbon molecules that function as a liquid circuit board of information exchange. And so the microbes within you are creating the very communication network that allows cells to speak to one another at the biochemistry level. And the first thing that happens when you put this microbial communication network into a human cell environment, like a Petri dish growing a bunch of intestinal cells or kidney cells, whatever we grow in the Petri dish, when we add back the microbial intelligence, the microbial communication network, the first thing the human cells start to make more gap junctions so that it can have more light moving from cell to cell. Tight junctions are the gatekeepers, and you make more tight junctions to create more self-identity, and gap junctions are the ones that pass the light. And so the first things that happen when you start to be exposed to these 
this liquid you know, supplement of communication between bacteria and fungi is you start improving your sense of cell identity and the light that you transit through your own cellular network. It is so miraculous that we have a biology that we call human that is founded upon the communication network of bacteria, fungi, yeast, etc. The communication network of nature is what inspires us to have a self-identity and to pass its light between the human experience of ourselves. And so how are we going to do that at the macro level? We're going to cut away all of those you know, artificial drugs that are chemicalizing us into our sterility of the human experience, cut away all of those roles and identities, become the essence of you, and then put you back into nature. And nature has the communication network that would allow you to find your self-identity, increase the amount of light that you transit from cell to cell. And so that's been our journey with Intelligence of Nature, which is the brand of supplements that are bringing these communication networks of, of ancient soil systems back into the human experience. And it's beautiful that while there's a lot of biologic effects that have become quite obvious when you increase cell-cell communication, and the tight junctions in your cell identity improves, the light before between cells improves, so you just become more regenerative, resilient biology. There's a lot of cool things to witness on the science side of that. But the real miracle of this intelligence of nature experience that we've been on is that people start to express a different life six months, 12 months, 18 months into their journey of just taking these liquids from bacteria and fungi, they start to express a different life where they do start letting go of the external roles that they thought were important but knew they were killing them. They quit the job. They get out of the abusive relationship. They, they start living for themselves instead of their children. They start doing, they start the company they always wanted to come. They start, they decide they're going to go ahead and learn the cello. You know, whatever it is, like people start to express beauty for finding themselves in the context of a microbial communication network that we're extracting from soil systems that are 60 million years old. Like <laughs> The story is so science fiction laden that it just defies our, our logic that our human experience was denuded for all of these altruistic human belief systems. And it's the raw, dirty, you know, get, get your hands in the dirt kind of reality of like, if you don't sink in and suck the marrow out of nature such that you're in it and it's in you and you're, you're at one with it, then you're going to fall short of your true self-identity and you're going to fall short of the amount of light energy you're capable of creating as a biologic being. Wow. I think that's why when I was just thinking about my dad, I just thought of him instantly sinking his hands into the soil because he gardens. And that's why you think of, you know, Greek people and the Mediterranean diet and how, how healthy they are because I think they kind of just are who they are. And they're also in nature, like nature is so part of our life. That's like the only thing I know that makes me happy or my mom and dad happy. Look at those flowers, Maria, they're amazing. Kevin, would, my husband would always look at us and be like, you guys really love nature. <laughs> but, you know, you think about people that do that and, and the different quality of life that they have. It is about quality of life at the end of the day really is and you know one of my you know some of the arc of my journey has been in all of the science that we've learned in soil uh, chemistry and the, the biology of soil systems that i described in intelligence and nature 
we realized that being a supplement company to bring back the intelligence of 60 million year old soil so that people can drink that out of a supplement bottle is a really lame mission. And so we realized we need to take all of the energy that we're creating in that company and put that into education for the world to understand their relationship to soil systems today such that we rebirth a vitality on the Earth's soils such that a supplement is no longer needed. And so mm-hmm. our hope is that over the next couple of decades, we can put our own company out of business because the whole concept of supplementation becomes abstract and, and defunct and it's mm-hmm. no longer necessary when we re-embrace our ability to co-create soil. So we started a non-profit Farmers Footprint and it's one of the projects within our bigger 501c3 nonprofit, which is Project Biome. And we're, we're envisioning with the global community what a regenerative world looks like. And in a nutshell, there's so much debate over the concept or definition even of regenerative agriculture right now. And what I would say the definition ultimately is regenerative agriculture is when a farmer finds the opportunity to rediscover themselves within the soil. However avenues, whatever avenues it takes for them to get there, to find their spiritual sense of vitality and their sense of being alive within their own soil of their own farm, that's that's what regenerative farming is going to look like and, and how we should define it. Is the farmer finding their full identity within their relationship to the land that they steward? If so, then they are regenerative. Their land is regenerative. Their, the foods that they would grow are regenerative. If we continue to boil it down to a lot of check boxes like we did with the organic industry, we're going to miss regeneration. We're going to we're going to go ahead and kill the planet because it is not a check boxes of do's and don'ts. You know, don't spray this, do do that. Ultimately, if the human spirit is not being regenerated in the work that it does with this planet, then we will fail to survive the next few decades. And so regenerative agriculture is one in which the farmer finds their their why, finds their spiritual identity within the context of the work they do in the soils. And that's for all of us. How do we become regenerative in our area of expertise? Mm -hmm. Maybe it's marketing. Maybe it's, you know, advertising at large. Maybe it's sales. Maybe it's engineering. You will become regenerative when you find a relationship to the world around you that makes you feel resilient, that makes you feel fulfilled, that makes you feel like you're in a state of joy of expression. Mm-hmm. When, when you rediscover your own curiosity in your field of industry, that's when you know you're starting to participate in a regenerative future. But it comes with truth and authenticity, right? So if there's no truth behind it, when you're when you're in an industry where there's so many lies and so many things that are hidden and you can't be honest and you can't just have the joy like my dad has in his garden. My dad's romaine lettuce is bigger than our torsos. He doesn't put anything in there. Like he's and the joy he gets from planting his garden and and getting to see these things grow. From what I'm hearing from you, farmers are not getting that joy because they're having to use all these toxic chemicals. They're being told they have to produce more, so they have to do more to produce. There's no pureness left in it for them to 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 make it worth it. There's no life left in it. Yeah. There's no life left in it. There's only you know more and more chemical you know killing more. Ke- what do you have to kill today? Roundup resistant weeds. Okay, well then I'm going to bring in three more chemicals. What do you have to kill and, today? And what do you have to kill today? Rather than what do you have to grow today? Just like with the medical world. With the medical world. Oh. Yeah. What do you have to kill today? 
And so in that journey, we definitely lost the experience of hands in the soil. Farmers don't touch the soil that they grow grow in because largely that'd be insane. They actually have to suit up in chemical gear. They have to be in hazmat suits to mix the three to five chemicals that are necessary to grow Roundup-resistant genetically modified crops. And the soils are so toxic that you can't walk on them. Most of the farmers that begin this journey into regeneration haven't thrown a shovel in their own soil in their lifetime. They're three generations away from using a shovel. They've been riding tractors and big machinery around this acreage for years and don't know what it feels like. They don't, don't have any collective memory as to what fresh humus smells like on their land because there's actually not any living humus that that vital smell that you get if you walk in a forest right after it rains that scent is devoid of the farmer's experience because it's hundreds of thousands of acres in every direction have been denuded of any living soil system Mm. it's all chemically dependent on chemical fertilizers chemical herbicides pesticides for as far as the senses can reach there is no life living beneath their feet. And so no wonder they can't remember what it feels like to farm. No wonder what they, they, they've lost their own sense of spiritual identity. In the same way, how can a physician have any context to remember that they're here to be alive and to celebrate the life within their patient when in every direction for as far as the senses can reach is some sort of sterilized, denuded, plastic-covered reality? So we become lonely, we become disconnected, and yet the speed at which we heal ourselves is so dramatic. When a farmer decides to get off the tractor and start to walk their land again and put their hands in their own soil, one of my favorite books in, in, in the regenerative movement was written by an extraordinary guy, Charles Massey, coming out of Australia. He wrote, wrote a book called The Call of the Reed Warbler, which is the name of a bird. The reed warbler is is in the first chapter of his book, and this one bird song reconnects this man to the spiritual reason to be alive. And it was that one little voice of nature that helped this man journey out of chemical agriculture back into a sense of purpose within the land that he had been farming and his family had been farming for generations. And so the call of one bird was enough to heal this man's path. And now he's one of the godfathers of the regenerative movement throughout Australia and abroad and has influenced millions and millions of acres of, of land management through that one bird song that reconnected him to nature. And so I'm very encouraged of the power of nature. It supersedes all of the toxicity that we create. It supersedes all of the devastating effects of our chemicals to create this vital reconnection to life. And that's what we see again with that intelligence in nature stuff when we take that liquid from bacteria and fungi, a few seconds on a gut membrane reverses the damage of all of the Roundup we can put on that cell. Roundup wow. immediately demolishes the gap junctions and tight junctions as soon as it touches the this intestinal lining. It creates a leaky gut immediately. And within seconds of reintroducing that gut that's been so blown apart and is moving towards cancer, give it back the information stream of the microbiome, and it immediately knows how to resurrect a future that is so different than the toxic path that we've laid out for it. And so in this really bizarre way, here we are as a supplement company developing dietary supplements to help consumers handle and survive a toxic food system 
because of the way in which we're poisoning her soils. And here she is, Mother Nature, planting 60 million years ago in her soils the antidote to our treatment of her soils today. It is so full of a story of grace that it just boggles the mind that nature, whether it's the reed warbler or the communication network between microbes, is calling us back into relationship. And as soon as we're willing to enter into relationship with this nature, we immediately heal the traumas and the emotional stuff we've been scooping under the carpet. We become regenerative at the spiritual level as much as at the biologic level. And it's just lovely that nature is paving every single day another opportunity for us to stay in play, to avert our extinction event and to be rebirthed within the bodies of humanity instead of having to leave the body of humanity to find ourselves. So I'm very encouraged at the end of the day that nature's got our path and she, her grace is much more potent than all the chemicals we could possibly come up with. Thank goodness. Thank goodness she has the answers and she's, she's uh, staying patient with us. Patient. <laughs> Zach, thank you so much. This was uh, really, really amazing. I think that we all needed to hear these messages today. I must have needed to hear it myself. Thanks for letting me tell myself again. <laughs> of course, of course. Um, we'll put everything, uh, Zach, in the summary of this episode, his uh, gut health products he was mentioning, his website, everything to find him, and anything more on him will be in the summary of this episode. Wow. Thanks for uh, for spending so much time with us. Thank you for allowing me the time. It's a precious commodity. This podcast and all related content published or distributed by or on behalf of Maria Menunos or MariaMenunos.com is for informational purposes only and may include information that is general in nature and that is not specific to you. Any information or opinions expressed or contained herein are not intended to serve as or replace medical advice, nor to diagnose, prescribe, or treat any disease, condition, illness, or injury, and you should consult the healthcare professional of your choice regarding all matters concerning your health, including before beginning any exercise, weight loss, or healthcare program. If you have or suspect you may have a healthcare emergency, please contact a qualified healthcare professional for treatment. Any information or opinions provided by a guest expert or host featured within website or on company's podcast are their own, not those of Maria Menounos or the company. Accordingly, Maria Menounos and the company cannot be responsible for any results or consequences or actions you may take based on information or opinions. Hey, Hill Squad, we have been on quite the journey together, and we're hearing from so many of you just how much this show is helping you heal and get better, and it makes us feel so good. We love, love, love it, and we just ask that you don't keep it to yourself. Spread the message and share the show or your favorite episode with your friends. And if you want to help us even more, you can leave us a five-star rating and a comment on Apple Podcasts or Spotify and follow us on Instagram at Heal Squad. You can also DM us anytime because we love connecting with you. And finally, you can also join us on Patreon for our monthly live heal events with world-class healers and ad-free episodes exclusive only to Patreon and our Super Heal Squad for as little as $10 a month. So go to patreon.com backslash heel squad to join. Getting better isn't easy, friends, but as I say all the time, it's a whole lot easier if we can do it together. We love you all so much, and we love doing this thing called life with you.